what a wonderful day that will be. Jesus is coming again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Well, let's sing this last verse. It's a beautiful song, powerful words, so meaningful in this prophecy convention. Standing before him at last, trials and troubles all past, crowds at his feet we will cast, Jesus is coming again. of our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now we're bringing to you Brother M.D. Treese from Lake Charles, Louisiana. And he will be speaking on the subject of our appointment. You may be seated. Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, we're enjoying this conference. Uh, I'm going to need another microphone, probably be walking around in just a little bit. And uh, in just a little bit, we'll dim the lights and start with charts and uh, try to move along we appreciate all of our brethren who participated and said last year brother Urshan called me motor mouth because I went so fast and I had two hours then every day how fast am I going to have to move today well I just, I, I'm in a, in a bind I, uh, for two reasons. First of all, because of time. And next is I don't like to just pick something out of the middle without substantiating in the past nor being able to go on in the future. It'd be grand if we had uh, one man, whoever he would be, to go all the way through the program of prophecy where, and then everyone else preach uh, on different things, but this one individual could uh, give a clear-cut picture of prophecy all the way through it would be it would be great now I'm getting here a little bit early as to what the schedule calls for but I suppose they got that all calculated and I'm supposed to have the same amount of time so I hadn't got time to fool around I got to move on now I am not going to refer I said this at our past conference I'm not going to refer to anything that uh, the other brother says, uh, post-tribulation or apturist, I am not going to refer to them unless it's just incidental, unless it is in what I've already planned. I will not go out of my way to pick up what they said because this is not a debate. 
this is uh, this is a Bible prophecy conference and I'll argue with you about the Godhead but I won't argue with you about prophecy and these are my brethren I appreciate them and I I uh, believe that the Lord's going to take us out of here anyway when he gets ready and I'm not going to have any ill feeling or and I think that we miss so much by magnifying the differences that are between us instead of magnifying those things that uh, are very clear between us and we hold near and that is the fact that he is coming and about 98 percent of all denominational preachers coming out of seminary today deny the literal second advent of Jesus Christ we are swiftly becoming the only people who believe he is coming back to this earth again so we want to magnify those things that are the same now a lot of uh, questions have been asked. Well, you know, preachers say, get him, get him, get him when you get up. I'm not going to get anybody. Uh, that's not what I'm doing up here at all today. But if it does happen to run across it, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Hey, you can pretty well depend on that. And even some who agree with some things that I agree with, I will probably cross. Not for the sake of being different, but uh, just to see the Word of God and uh, what I feel that it is clear. Questions were asked uh, about the recent trip uh, that I made to Europe, to uh, England, to Ireland, to Manchester, and uh, had access and studied uh, in these different places and uh, was able to handle ancient manuscripts of the Bible. I had uh, passage and uh, letters for that particular purpose. And I can't tell to you the thrill of mind that it was to be able to pick up uh, the manuscripts that date back to the apostles and to read them just as they said them. I'll be bringing to you some of the things that I brought from that. Uh, in the light of prophecy that makes it clear. Our gospel shines the closer you get back to the way the apostles said it. We have no need to feel alarm about that. It shines. I also have with me today, and several have asked to examine them, I also have uh, facsimiles of some of those uh, manuscripts, especially the Beatty manuscript, as well as Sinaiticus Alexandrinus, uh, John Ryland from Manchester, uh, the papyri of uh, different, if you would like to see some of those, I have part of it translated already that you may see that. Uh, just uh, before I begin, I may tell you, uh, everybody asks, what did you learn? Well, it's like the little boy going to school the first day. Everybody asks him what you learned. He just can't hardly put it all into words, you know, the first day. He has to go back several other days before he can appreciate it. But uh, uh, the first thing that I asked for was the uh, manuscript of the Alexandrinus, which is very heavy behind our uh, New Testament. And uh, they stood over me like a guard. But uh, I opened it up. I'd all heard all of my life that the Alexandrinus told of the Ethiopian eunuch receiving the Holy Ghost. And bless your heart, when I looked at that verse, it did say that the Holy Ghost fell upon the eunuch. Amen. We believe that anyhow, don't we? 
But the Camelites and uh, others say that they, uh, they got what the eunuch got. And they, uh, he didn't get the Holy Ghost. Happy to tell you he did get the Holy Ghost. It fell upon him. Praise God. So many good things like that that we receive. Now, I am going to go right on into our study today. And uh, there's not much left for me. Some of them that are supposed to be speaking on everything else got on my subject. And uh, nearly every one of them got on pre and post tribulation rapture. So what am I going to do? I'll just have to go into it in a little more depth, if you don't mind. And we'll have a little bit of study at a little closer angle of some of these verses. Praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. Praise Amen. I just got through the prophecy conference at home. And uh, we, we teach that every year. I've had prophecy conferences for 20 years and uh, showing slides and charts and what have you along this line. So I am very grateful that we are now having this conference for the organization for our general body. Uh, this first chart, uh, my other one is lost in the stuff, and so we had to scratch around and just give you a title chart for what we will be studying today. And we are going to study on our appointment and uh, scriptures that have already been run over. But uh, as I said, I promise you we will go into them a little more uh, in depth than some of the others have. And that's not to say uh, they didn't do a great job. It's just uh, the scripture, you can always re-examine it and get more out of it. Is that right? You're never through with it. You can always get more out of it. <clears throat> but... Uh, I will not be using, of course, I won't have the time to use the slides and the charts that I would normally use. I take two and a half hours every night for five nights at home. And uh, uh, teaching at Brother Kilgore's not long ago, I taught two and a half hours and hadn't got to the millennial yet. And they said, go ahead. And uh, I taught for another two hours, and after two hours, they were standing on their feet running the aisles. And that wasn't because of the preacher. It was just sub subject material that was going on that they enjoyed. So I am used to lengthy sessions along this line. It's going to make a difference for me today to confine myself here. Our appointment. First scripture that I give you, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. And I will not take time to read uh, many surrounding scriptures with these. I'll just simply give them to you uh, as it's necessary. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody believe that? Say amen. amen. And we're going to be getting into the difference between wrath and some of the other things in just a little bit. He hath not appointed us unto wrath. Then Revelation 3 and 10, as you have already seen, you may turn there when you uh, have time, that uh, he says, I will uh, keep you out and the word is ek. A lot of uh, debate has been gone uh, from the word from. Uh, the word from is apo. The word here is ek. I will keep you out of the hour of temptation that shall try them. That katoikos that permanently dwell upon the earth. It is the same word that is used in reference to the permanent dwelling. The fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. It is a permanent dwelling that is done there. We are not appointed unto wrath. And I think that before we're through, I'm going to show you very quickly in the book of Revelation that we, that this is a time of wrath that we are talking about here. All right? 
And uh, we are going right now to Second uh, Thessalonians, and this scripture has been worked mightily much in this scripture, Second uh, or in this conference, Second Thessalonians 2. And I am giving you the post-tribulation rapturous view, and I am giving you the pre-tribulation rapturous view of Second Thessalonians. Now, not all of them will agree to everything that is said, and I would not to charge them with something that they disavow, but they differ among themselves, as do we also on certain points. But uh, this is the way they view Second Thessalonians 2. Verse 2, it says, let no one tell you the rapture has happened. They believe that the rapture is what is in discussion in the second chapter of, uh, of uh, Second Thessalonians. And it cannot come until there comes a great backsliding. And the Antichrist must be revealed before rapture. So the sense of this would be, so after he quits holding back his own appearing, he will appear and the church will be raptured. There has to be a little bit of double talk going on for them to uh, say it in this manner. He is holding back his own appearing. And so uh, the fifth thing, so now you know what restrains him until uh, he is revealed. Now, uh, I want to say this kindly. I could give them some points if they really want to go to them, and I've never heard any of our brethren who believe that touch upon it. So if you'd be interested in it, some of you believe that, then uh, you may see me and I'll give you some points that uh, they are, that uh, are their strong points. But this is the way they view 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1. They say the rapture cannot happen until there comes a backsliding and the man of sin is revealed. Pre-tribulation raptures uh, view it in this particular manner. We say that uh, let no one tell you the day of wrath spoken of from chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 is here. The day of wrath we say cannot come until the rapture comes first and then the man of sin will be revealed. We say that verse 6 says now you know what is restraining him. And the church will, verse 7, will restrain the Antichrist until he be taken out of the way or until it be removed. I will cover that in just a moment. But uh, we must decide whether in the uh, writing of the books of Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, whether the subject is rapture or whether it is tribulation. What were they afraid of? Paul said in the original, don't be scared out of your wits. That's the way it says it in the original. Do not be scared out of your wits. And uh, so I just would like to thumb through. If you don't mind picking up your Bibles and thumb through with me quickly, and I will hit those verses, and I will show you that they were concerned that the trouble they were having was not whether the rapture had taken place or not. They were concerned whether or not they were in a period called the wrath of God. I give you the first one from 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10 to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. You may go to chapter 2 and to verse 14. For you, brethren, become followers of the churches of, of God, which in uh, Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you've also suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Uh, you may turn 
for the next one to the third chapter and the third verse that no man should be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed unto you are appointed unto affliction and verily when we were with you we told you before that we should suffer tribulation there is no doubt that we will suffer tribulation this is what he's saying they were concerned that what was happening to them was wrath notice Paul is making a difference that you are not appointed unto wrath but I told you you would suffer the tribulation they are not afraid that the rapture is taking place or has taken place and they have missed it as our brethren say that this is the discussion in Second Thessalonians 2 the rapture is not what is under discussion mainly the book is written because they were troubled alright for the fifth one you look in chapter 5 and 9 for God has not appointed us unto wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ go to uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6 I'm just flipping through Thessalonians and I'm showing you that the discussion and what they were afraid they were in was the wrath of God and he is saying that you should suffer tribulation but not wrath so that we ourselves this is the fourth verse of the first chapter 2 Thessalonians so that we ourselves brethren glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure and the word is it is present and it should be translated as you continue enduring the seventh verse is and to you who are troubled to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and then it goes on in the latter part discussing, of course, the time of wrath under the rule of the Antichrist. I declare unto you that the Thessalonians were not concerned that the rapture had taken place and that this is what Paul is telling them that it cannot happen, uh, the rapture cannot happen until the Antichrist is revealed. That is not what he is saying. The subject under discussion is the wrath of God. They were afraid that they were in and he said, when I was with you I told you you would suffer tribulation which ye are and he says and you continue to endure but as far as the wrath of God we are not appointed unto the wrath of God would everybody say amen all right now uh, I am going to go ahead with second Thessalonians before I leave there we'll come back to tribulation and wrath in just a little more you have we've got to decide about the word uh, fallen away whether or not it is falling or what it is we make that a backsliding I beg your pardon I have challenged everybody from uh, podunk to wherever to show me where the word pepto is in that particular chapter falling is not there you have the Greek word apostasii and that word uh, it means is, is a dual word apple from uh, I stand to stand away from or to depart or to abandon and in most of your recent translations they are translating it departure or abandonment so I say that it could very well be the rapture of the church the apostasy or the abandonment of uh, the church of this world A.T. Robertson the greatest Greek scholar that we know says it is we do not know what it is an abandonment of or a departure from it could be the Jews from God it could
could be the Gentiles from God. It could be the church from the world. We do not know what it is a departure from. The context must determine what this departure is all about. But somebody said, I think it was in our last conference, said it's a long way from, uh, from uh, falling away to rapture. I agree that it is, but that's not my problem, that's yours. And uh, because the scripture says, it does not say falling away. It is not. It is not apopipto. It is not anapipto. It has nothing to do with falling. It is apostasia, which is a standing away from or a departure. And so I said, now look, Paul often uses words that have a bad connotation. And I agree that most of the time apostasy is used in a bad connotation. It talks about departing from God in other places. But Paul is often fond of using words that are a bad connotation and turn them to a good use in the New Testament. Such as the word lust is always epithumia. It is always used in a bad connotation. But Paul turns it and uses it that we lust after the Spirit. Now, if I can show you in your Bible where apostasy has a good connotation, then will I have gained your confidence along this line. 2 Timothy 2 and 19. Let him that nameth the name of Christ apostato, it is an imperative of the same verbal form of apostasy. Let him that nameth the name of Christ depart. You don't fall away from iniquity. You don't fall away from iniquity. You depart from iniquity. So we abandon iniquity. When I get through, I'll have her tied down along that line. But you do not. You do not fall away. And it is used in a good sense. Here is apostasy used in a good sense. I say that it is very possible that the departure mentioned in that chapter can be talking about rapture. But on the other hand, let me show you some things about this chapter. Go back. I'm not ready for that just yet. Uh, let me show you some things about this chapter. Someone quoted the other day uh, regarding the coming and our gathering together unto him. He is not laying out a program of sequence events in the first verse of the second chapter. He uses the word hooper, which means I beseech you or I talk to you on behalf. I use this as my platform. He did not set it up as a program that would succeed one another. He simply says, because the Lord is coming and because we're going to get gathered to him that I want to talk with you. He does not say that. You, somebody said, well, that day shall not come. That is an interpolation in your Bible. You that have where these words are italicized, look and see that it is italicized, meaning that it is not in the original. It does not say that day shall not come. Now, I know you're going to be quiet. I don't mind because I'm going to be talking fast enough that, uh, that I won't have time for amen very much. But uh, I want you to know that it's not in the original. That day shall not come. It is simply I may, except there come a departure and the man first and then the man of sin will be revealed. Now, I, I wish I had a long time for this because the word study and because of what it does uh, is much deeper deeper than what I'll be able to do in this lesson here today. All right? But I want us to look at a little more of this, if you will. You've got a choice. You have a choice 
with what to do with this. Apostasy, I departure, either it is the rapture and then the revealing of the Antichrist, or else it is the day of the Lord, and you must lump departure and Antichrist, apostasy and Antichrist, into one thing. Because you have one word there that is called proton. That means first, unless there comes firstly. And the word proton never divides more than two events. It does not divide three events. If you have rapture, and if you have falling away, and if you have the day of the Lord, you have three events, and the word proton is out of its use in the New Testament. You must have a choice whether or not you are dividing the rapture and first and then the Antichrist are, as some would say, and this may be the way it is, you decide between the day of the Lord, but firstly, and then lump the apostasy with the coming of the Antichrist. It is possible that apostasy would be the crowning of apostasia would be the announcement of the Antichrist. In other words, he may be the great apostasia that will come. But you have a choice to make. You cannot divide three events. You must divide two events. It is either rapture and dividing it from the Antichrist revealed or else you must divide the day of the Lord and lump apostasy and the revelation of the Antichrist into one particular event. How many sees what I'm talking about? Would you nod your head? All right. If you want uh, proof of that, I'll give the Acts 1 and 1 for the use of apostasy. I'm going to need a mic. Have you got me one? Oh. All right. Praise God. Say praise the Lord. Now, I know that may be a little hard for you to come by at one look, but I want you to look at she is very, very important when we look at Second uh, Thessalonians. I want you to look once again at Thessalonians uh, because it says uh, that uh, uh, until he become out, and we are disturbed about he. Well, for your information, the third person in Greek is he, she, or it. And your more modern translations, and that's not to put down the authorized version, but they translated it until it becomes out of the midst. There is something that is retaining and restraining the Antichrist, and it will continue to restrain until it becomes out of the mist. Now somebody said, well, I believe there is, there is some sort of spirit holding back the revelation of the Antichrist. I said to this friend who is now dead, and a good friend of mine, I said, in other words, the devil's holding back the revelation of the devil. Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. What is hope? There's only one thing that can hold back the Antichrist, my friend, and that's it. Praise God. Now, someone says, well, it's the Holy Ghost. For your information, the Holy Ghost is neuter. It is not he. It is tonuma, which is a neuter noun. So you're in problems once again if you say he and call it the Holy Ghost. Because Holy Ghost is not masculine. It is neuter. So you can't use he there. He, she, or it until it eginatai. Third person in Greek can be he, she, or it and it is to the context to decide the gender that you are talking about. 
Now, this fellow said, I believe it's the spirit of Antichrist or some spirit holding the back. I said, what? You know a little Greek. I know a little. A little Greek. And I said, let's, uh, let's go over and look in a lexicon and see what again the time means. Again, oh my. It is a deponent uh, verb which is written passively but active as far as actual usage is concerned. Let's look at it. It means until it be changed. Until it arise. Until it be married. There's only one thing that's going to be changed, arise, and get married. Praise God. I hope the devil never gets married or you'll have confusion compounded, I'll tell you that. Now, I'll tell you what we need to talk about before this is over, and I say it very lovingly. I have had to change my position on many things before. We need to talk about the procedure that you can use to change your mind. I say that kindly. Amen. It is not painful. It is glorious. Thank God. And I, I urge you to look at it with an open mind. And I will look at anything anybody has to say. I will not comment on my brethren who have spoken in this meeting. And I will not refer to what they've spoken. They are my brethren. And I will not argue with them. But uh, give, me, give me my chance and I will say what is on my part. But personally and individual, I'll be glad to talk with you as long as I can. Say amen. All right. So there is something that is restraining the Antichrist. It is not the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost goes, I go. You believe it. Thank God. I'll go. And also, Holy Ghost, as I mentioned, is a neuter noun. It is not, it is not masculine as some as they continue to translate. He, he gonna tie is until he be changed, till he rise, until he be married or become uh, in this other state. All right. So we look at uh, the choice that you have here. How many has got that? I'll do it. If I don't get anything else, I want you to get that, nod your head, and shake a bush. Apostasy, I can either refer to rapture and then would be country prediction and have a choice of antichrist reveal by the word proton make a decision between two events you must sir in this particular chapter or between the day of the lord and proton firstly the departure and the antichrist being lumped into one event meaning that the antichrist is the crowning point of apostasy so you have your choice to make here one thing i do believe and i think you know by now is that we are not appointed unto wrath. All right? Say praise the Lord. You've heard this, whether or not this is tribulation or whether this is wrath. The word persecution is used. It is not as strong a word in the Greek, by the way. You have the word philipsis, which Brother Urshan mentioned. It is uh, also verbal flibo. It means pressure. If you get down to the root, it simply means pressure. It is used only once. Would you get this? Now, somebody mentioned getting away from Larkin. Yes, sir, let's move away from Larkin. And I'm going to move away from him several steps today if you will follow me. I move away from him the fact that there is tribulation. Who dreamed up the word tribulation? It is used only one time in the, in the book of Revelation and that is in reference to the church. The word tribulation is only used once. Everybody say once. In the book of Revelation. But it is used 43 or 41 times in the epistles referring to what we go through now. Oh, I believe we'll go through the tribulation. Somebody said, what about the great tribulation? This also is a misnomer. We attach it because of a specific event Jesus mentioned in another place. But the word that is used consistently in Revelation is our gaze, which is wrath. 
Someone asked, what does the word wrath mean? The root word, the base word is arge, which is used six times, and it is from, the, you get our word argy, from the word arge. It means unleashed passion. When someone has an argy, it means no holes are barred, that it is unleashed anger. It is unleashed passion, and that is what the book of Revelation is. Now then, my friend, uh, the great writers of the post-tribulation rapture view Reese Gundry and Ladd, and Ladd is my grandfather in study of the Greek language, however I differ with him. He is the kinder of those two. All of those writing from the denominational world, post-tribulation raptures are belligerent, and they will spend half of their book trying to decide whether pre-tribulation raptures are knaves or thieves or outright liars. I'm happy to tell you that our brother with the Holy Ghost that are here today have a much better spirit than that, and I thank God for them, and the difference is that spirit that they have in their heart. But uh, they all point out, if you can show me that the book of Revelations in is the book of wrath then we cannot allow the church in it as a unit because they state every one of them emphatically 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 we are not appointed unto wrath well I don't know how they missed it themselves get where I'm going they say if the book of Revelation uh, is a book of wrath it is the wrath of God, then we cannot allow the church there as a unit because we are not appointed under wrath. Do you understand that statement? i got to get you going with me here to see if I know that you're understanding. May I pick up the Greek Bible and read from you here today, not to show off, but to let you know and to explain what I'm trying to do. May I read to you from the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, the 17th verse? Hotai, elthane, hehimera, hemegali, te our gaze atone kaitis dunatai stathani. That verse simply says, because the day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand. Now, it is different than you have in the authorized version, is come. It is, has come. He has a choice. If he wanted to put in the present, his come, he could have used elkomai, which is come. If he had wanted to use shall come, it is elusomai. If he wanted to say that in some past point in particular it began, he would use the word that he did use, and that is elfane. He used the word elfane somewhere in the past before the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation he said that the day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand it is not is come or shall come but before you're through with the seals it say the day of the wrath has come a past punctilier action it has already come now this is what scholars call a perfective aorist that means it had a point of origination in the past but it carries true and remains into the present I give the example of this particular type statement if I say to this man what is your relationship to that man and he says uh, uh, if he's an officer of the law I have arrested him or I have imprisoned him that means that at some point in the past that he has arrested him and the man 
man continues in that particular relationship, he is still arrested. So when he used the aorist perfect, it means that at some point in the past, the wrath of God came and it continues up until this present time. It is a perfect aorist. If you don't think that will hold water, then your Bible will become a muddle to you because these rules are the rules that determine the translation of your Bible. Somebody said, well, if uh, King James was good enough for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me. Well, I honor it and I use it. That's the one that I use when I'm reading generally. But I must tell you, God did not give the New Testament in English. It went through several hands. And I wish I had time to talk about that, but I don't. we got to go along. This is what thrilled me with being able to go back and pick up some of those old manuscripts from many years ago and finding some truth that we have there. So what happens in Revelation, my friend, is not tribulation. Wipe that out. It is the 70th week of Daniel. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. It is, my friend, a time of wrath to try them that dwell, and that is a permanent dwelling, to try them that dwell upon the earth. But he said, I will keep you, I will keep you out of it. And so this is a particular time for them. I'm going to give you several facts about the book of Revelations today. And I, as I said, some of this has already been going over. So all I can do is just go a little deeper into it and talk a little bit more about it than we have here before. All right? We'll look at something else. Let me show you a little bit about the book of Revelation. It's a strange book. Jesus said you don't put new wine in the old bottles or they'll burst. It takes a new bottle for new wine. The book of Revelations is a new bottle. It is not New Testament and it is not Old Testament. It is a combination of the two. By the fourth chapter, several things has happened after you have finished addressing the churches of Asia. Several things has happened. The word church, ecclesia, is not mentioned again in in the book of Revelation. And I challenge anybody to stand up and find it. The word Hegoin is there, saints, but that's an appellation used to all righteous people, even from the law, even unto angels. Elect is also a general word used for whatever particular period they lived in. But... Um, but John writes about the book of Revelation and it is a different book it's a new bottle for new wine let's look at the sonship we hear that the sonship shall cease and the kingdom shall be delivered I declare to you it has been done before this happens because in the gospel of John he is very heavy 26 times he refers to the son of God because we need to understand that relationship for the purpose of our salvation. There's no better example of our salvation than to relate to this sonship. So sonship was used 26 times in his gospel. It was used 25 times in his epistle referring to sonship. But when you come to the book of Revelation after the third chapter, you do not find him anymore, the son of God. But you find him, the almighty did you get that? He is no more called the Son of God for the purpose of salvation has ceased. He is called, my friend, the first and the last, the beginning and the ending. Thank God, and in this particular place, that which was and is and is coming, the Almighty, never the Son, 
Has anybody ever considered why that John who was so heavy on the relationship of sonship in his gospel and epistles has not written about the sonship in the book of Revelation? The only way you see that depicted as a lamb as it has been slain and Aris used once again depicting and reminding us of a sacrifice that gave us salvation in time past. The sonship does not continue to exist to redeem us at this particular time. All right? All right, I'll show you some more about this particular book, if you will. Here are some things I want you to notice. I call this expectation, I've written it with uh, some strange letters because it is the work from different manuscripts. Uh, you have some things that are changed. In Revelations 1 and 8, 4 and 8, you have He who was and is and is coming. You have that in 1 and in chapter 4. But in the original... You, and the, when you get to the 11th chapter, you do not have he who was and is and is coming. You have he who was and is. And when you get down to the 16th chapter and the 5th verse, you do not have he who is coming. You have he who is and who was the Holy One. The authorized version it carries out because of the former verses that it says the one who is coming. But after the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, you do not have written to the church that he is the one who is coming. For as far as we are concerned, he has already come. Did you get that? I picked up these ancient manuscripts and I scanned them. I'll list for you so that you may get them. It is recorded, uh, he who is coming is recorded in only minuscules in 051-1006 and 2042 in the Coptic Borean versions. This is the only one that carry that and they are 12th or 14th century later. But my friend, uh, if you want to see how it is written in the others, you may look at the Sinaiticus, the Alexandrinus, and the Porphyrinus, and the 046 and the Papyrus. 47 which is Chester Beatty manuscript you may read it there and find out that he who is coming is not there anymore this was inserted about the 15th century it is not there in the original I'm going to repeat to you again that it states he who is coming only to the first part of the book of Revelation after the fourth chapter he is not the one who is coming but in Revelations 11 and 16 it said he who was and is and has taken staying power to authorize you have great power Magali but in the original you have Minoas participle of remaining he has taken power that stays unto himself I'm happy to tell you that by this time he's taken staying power unto himself he's going to hold it all the way through and he's never going to get rid of the staying power that's on his side praise God he has taken unto himself staying power alright I want you to get it look at it for just a moment these are only manuscripts that I give that back it up thrilled me to the core when they laid those up there and the gentleman said I don't know exactly where to find it I said give me time I'll find it and brother it leaps out and I've got copies of those and copies coming and I'm going to be doing some work with them our gospel shines the closer and the closer you get to the truth my friend our gospel shines when you get closer to the way they said it it is not he who is coming in the latter part of the book of Revelation it is only in the first part I declare that he has already come say praise the Lord again 
All right, we're going just a little further. Somebody has moved the candlesticks. Somebody move the candlesticks. Now, I won't be able to use all my charts and everything. Just cut her down real short here today. But uh, somebody has already moved the candlesticks. You find in the first three chapters that Christ is walking among the candlesticks in the church. It's, uh, the candlesticks are represented the church. But when you get to, five, to the fifth chapter, those candlesticks are not on the earth anymore, but they are seen in heaven. Somebody move the candlesticks. The difference in the two words, one refers to the stand and the organization that holds the light, and the other just refers to Lampedes, the actual light itself. When we get over there, we won't need the organization. We won't need any framework or any kind of association. Thank God we'll just be that light. That's all there is to it. But somebody done moved them. Hallelujah to God. Somebody done moved the candlesticks. In the meantime, I'm happy to tell you who they are. Hallelujah. And I'm happy to tell you who moved them. Whether or not we believe before, after, in the middle, or upon top, or round side, there's only one that's going to rapture us, and I'm depending on him. Thank God. This is not my main teaching in the book or in prophecy. I, if I had known that so many others would have covered it, I promise you I would not be on it myself today. But my subject was announced and so forth, and so I'm holding to it for that particular reason. But since she do be, I am here, and I am going to stick with it, and I'm going to tell you, thank God, that I believe that by the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, church is not mentioned. The candlesticks are moved. Thank God. And it's not saying he's coming because as far as the church is concerned, he has already come. Thing that's holding the devil back today and that is in the presence of this world right now is the church of the living God. Amen. If you want to talk about the Holy Ghost, always refer to the Holy Ghost in the church because we are intricately connected with the Holy Ghost. I am filled with it, baptized, had it poured upon, received, doused, hallelujah, everything you want to think about, I've had it, glory to God, and I hope I don't lose it when he leaves. Huh? All right. Thank God. If you'll read in Luke 12 and 37, you'll see where Jesus is speaking to the Jews. And I'm going to prove to you that most of Jesus' references were to the Jews and not to the church. Thank God. You'll have to argue with him about that. Most of his references were to the Jews and not to the church. But in, in Luke 12 and 36 and 37, it says to the Jews, Be ye like men, thank God, that wait on their Lord when he shall come from a wedding. He's coming from a wedding. Thank God, I know who he's going to marry. He's telling the Jews, I am coming from a wedding. And this is not parable. He said, you just be like that as men who wait for their Lord when he comes from a wedding. The word is not ek. It's not out of a wedding. It means apple. He comes from a wedding. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank God. For the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't believe we're going to eat hot air. I believe we're going to have actual food. Maybe in a little while I'll get to what we shall have after a while. 
All right. All right. He has always in, uh, proven in the scripture that he has a bride to come before the wedding. Thank God. Now, may I give you, uh, those who believe in post-tribulation raptures, your greatest argument that has not been brought up, may I give it to you? It is dispensationalism. Any of the higher critics of the position will debate with you on dispensationalism. They say we are dispensationalists. They make no difference in the dispensation. Well, I just have to refer them to Paul then, and uh, there's the answer. The 11th chapter has been referred to. Would you permit me tonight just to quote the original language as I use the 11th chapter of the book of Romans? It is a very important book. There is a difference between the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles and uh, people don't understand that at a camp meeting we had a youth camp one time in our particular part of the country uh, man uh, gave the scripture when the times of the Gentiles is up you better have your bag packed because the church is going to get out of here you can't make the church rapture contingent on any one thing well they took Jerusalem that night next morning I said you got your bag packed well I don't know but I'll tell you when they take that city it's all going to be over with well, they took it that night. He's talking about the times of Gentiles. The times of Gentiles run from the year 606 B.C. until the termination of the Antichrist, for he shall rule in that city. Until that time, that is the times of the Gentiles, and Jesus made reference to that to the Jews. And by the way, the abomination of desolation is plural. There has been more than one, and they prefigure the abomination of desolation that is to come. Antiochus Epiphanes, 175 B.C., Titus 8, D 70 and finally the Antichrist of the latter day but now in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans Paul asks the question and you can tell in Greek how questions ask whether to expect a negative or affirmative answer he says have they fallen and the word fallen is a complete fallen that they should not rise again and because it is a may with a subjunctive you know that it is not a fallen you can answer and it should be translated of course not have they fallen that they they should not rise. Of course not. The original says, but they have made a misstep. And But he goes on and reason that through that misstep, salvation has come to the Gentile. Now you that want to argue that there's no difference between them as far as them getting the Holy Ghost that can come in the church, but you're blind as a bat if you can't see that the Jew generally, his eyes are closed to the truth of God and has been for many years. There have been some who came in, of course, and that's quite all right. But we are talking about generally, Paul says, they were blinded. The word comes from the word. They have become insensitive. They have become insensitive. It is through their fall that we obtain mercy. He said, have they fallen away that they should not rise again? Of course not. They have made a misstep. Brother Hutchpeth threw the scripture last night. May I go just a little farther? But hardness or insensitivity has happened to the Jew until the fullness. The word there is pleroma, which is completed number. Look in any lexicon you want to. It is not full alone but has to do with a completed number of Gentiles become in alright thank God hardness has happened unto the Jew until the completed number of Gentiles have been come in I agree and it is my old statement that God's got a last saint somewhere in this world 
And when that gets the Holy Ghost, it's going to mean the fullness. Hallelujah. God always deals in fullness. Did you know that? When the fullness of time came, God sent forth the Son made of woman, made under the law. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all accord in one place. Hallelujah. And hardness has happened to the Jew until the completed number of Gentiles be come in. Then he says, he will turn back to them. It was through their fall that you obtained mercy. Hear it? That through your mercy they might obtain mercy. He claims it is a mystery how he will turn back to the Jew in a few verses down, but he prepares the church to get ready for that mystery. He says for you to have mercy. And I know no other group in the world who has the sense of feeling toward the Jew as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ had. We have a sense and a feeling for them. In fact, I'm quite ready. I know, Lord, that you chose them many years ago. I know that they are your anxious people. And I know that you are getting ready to continue your program with them. I just thank you. Hallelujah. As it said in the book of Acts, he came to take out a people for his name's sake. He has visited, and the word means a short stay. He has visited the Gentiles to take out. Thank God to take out. Anytime you read about the church, it's always take out a people. It's always take out what is the program of the church we're going to be stolen out of here I'll answer that for you in just a few moments all right, let me go back while I'm on this other sun. Just leave that one up there. I'm not going to get to use all of them anyhow. We're having to do it differently, and we don't know exactly what we're doing up here right now. So praise the Lord. All right. He's going to take out a church for his namesake. I'm warming up, and if I was from other state, I'd leave my coat on. I'm from Louisiana. I'll pull it off. All right. Thank God. It's always take out. Oh, hallelujah. One man asked me one time uh, at a conference, uh, he said, do you believe in a two comings of the Lord? I said, no, I believe in only one coming of the Lord to the earth. The first time we rise to meet him in the air. The next time we come with him. I read where he comes for them, then he comes with them. Hallelujah to God. Well, some of the recent books says pre-tribulation raptures believe in a silent, secret, noiseless coming of the Lord to earth hmm my Lord knows how for some standing on the bank to hear a voice and nobody else hear it one fellow standing in the water to see a bird and nobody else see it thank God I don't believe it's going to be noiseless as far as we're concerned but as far as the world is concerned it's going to be noiseless he said where's your scripture for a secret coming of the Lord Mm, that word that's used in 1 Corinthians 15 says that we shall be chained in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and shall be harpedzo. The word harpedzo is stolen out of. Thank God. Going to be stolen out of. It's the same word that was used when the Ethiopian eunuch was riding along in the chariot and all of a sudden he was joined by a preacher. As far as I'm concerned, he could have had the chariot. I'd have left it if somebody just joined me running as fast as a horse was. 
But the preacher joined him, kept running along by him. Said, where are you reading from? Said, I'm reading over here where it says he led of the lamb down before chair, yet he opened not his mouth. Thank God. Oh, yeah. He got up in the chariot and rode with him and started from right there and preached Jesus unto him. Hallelujah to God. I know he preached about baptism because the first puddle they come to, he said, here's some water. What's standing in my way? They get baptized. He said, you may, you believe with all of your heart. The Bible said they both went out in the water together. And as I read, in the Alexandrinus, one of the most reputable and one of the oldest that we have, uh, says, Kaitonuma epison epiton eunuchson. And the Holy Ghost fell upon the eunuch. And he went on his way rejoicing. Hallelujah. I tell you, Vaticanus took it out of there because they didn't like it. Vaticanus uh, included 1 John 5 and 7, which is the comma Johannine that did not appear until the 15th century. And I laid these two eyeballs upon the very manuscript where it was inserted. In Trinity Dublin College, in studying there, I said, bring me MS 61 by a Franciscan monk by the name of Foy. Erasmus asked for anybody to give him the words in a Greek text that says there are three that bear record in heaven and he would insert it. He put two editions that didn't have it in there. And finally, this Franciscan monk by the name of Freud injected it into manuscript MS 61. And I said, bring it here. The man laughed and said, it'll fall open right to the place because everybody studies this one and looks at the same place. And this is where it was injected. It doesn't say there are three that bear record in heaven at all. It says there are three who are witnesses upon the earth, earth, the water and the blood and the spirit and these three are into one. Praise God. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, glory to God. That may be moving a little fast. I'm trying to slow down, Brother Urshan. Am I slowing down any? You don't think I, I'm slowing down any? All right. Old motor mouse at it again. But I got less time today than I had used to, you know? I got, I got to move along. Oh, glory to God. Amen. But the word harpezo. And then the Ethiopian eunuch. After he got the Holy Ghost, the Bible said he looked around. The word is harpezo. The spirit caught away Philip. It is he stole him out of there. And the eunuch looked for him and could not find him. If you want to know how rapture is going to happen, it's going to happen just like that. The same word applied to the Ethiopian eunuch applies to us. You're going to look for us, and we're not going to be here. Thank God, thank God, we're going to be stolen out of, and we're going to meet him together in the air. Hallelujah to God. Oh, glory. And then we're going to have that wedding, a marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus reminded the Jews, be like men that wait for the Lord when he comes from the wedding. He's coming from a wedding, and we're going to return with him. And I'm going to get on the white horse in a little bit. How am I doing? Let me look. Look, i got to go. All right. Oh, well, let me look at this 70 weeks. It's already been covered the word. Uh, 70 weeks are determined upon that people. The word is kolobos, which means amputated. I have 70 proofs that the church will not go through the uh, what is normally called the tribulation. But I got more than that now. That is a long time ago. If I start I'd, that uh, with two illustrations, I would start here at this 70 week, which is a part of the 70th. It determined upon Kolobos. It's amputated out of time upon thy people and upon Jerusalem. It's amputated upon thy people and upon Jerusalem. It's cut out of time. God does not measure time unless it refers to the Jews. He does not 
I could prove that to you if I had time. He does not count time. He uses 499 years from the going forth out of Egypt uh, until the uh, until the coming of Saul as the first king was 490 uh, years from from uh, Saul until the servitude. It's 490 years, seven times seven. From the first temple under the second temple, it's 490 years, uh, always 70 times seven. That is the multiplication of perfection. It's God's number. When the disciples asked Jesus how often should we forgive one another he just reached back and picked up that rule of thumb and said seven times seventy in one day to let you know that we are in the age of forgiveness I don't have time to prove a gap period in that but because of the scripture let me hurry on I'm just now getting to the first part of Revelation I generally go halfway through the book of Revelation on this particular study and takes close to three hours to do it so you know why I'm having to be fast up here tonight in the fourth chapter he hears John hears the word Anabe which simply means come up here sounded wonderful didn't it <laughs> but it just means come here hallelujah but how do I know that what it'll do for you if you'll turn to 11 and 12 where the two witnesses are resurrected if you're bothered about resurrection I'm going to get that on you in just a moment Revelations 11 and 12 the two witnesses hear the words on the day whole day it's the same word but here it is an imperative and it is plural therefore you have a difference but it's the same word and where it was said to them they were caught up and the original manuscript says and the Jews measured them Oh, I don't have time for that. They measured them. Glory to God. But this is rapture, I believe, in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. Thank God. Where it says, come up. Now, I've got a rough old crude chart. I don't have a pretty one. I've got some beautiful ones, but uh, uh, this is only once got the 420 elders seated around the throne. You can throw anybody in that bunch you want to, but they state themselves who they are. You don't be telling me who they are. They tell me who they are. Thank God. These four and twenty elders, these are symbolic of the church. There is a literal view of the church later on, but this is a symbolic view. Thank God. They say, thank God, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, every nation, every people, and every tongue. There is only one group, my friend, that can claim that distinction, and that's the church of the living God. Praise God. The Jews are not out of every nation, every kindred, and every people, and every tongue. Somebody's worrying about the Jew and the Israel. Other than that, you only have one word, and that word is ethnos, from which you get the word ethnic. You are ethnic here today, whether you believe it or not. You are different than the Jew. You are ethnic. As far as God is concerned, he has maintained that distinction all the way through. All right. But uh, here are the four and the 20 elders, uh, and they uh, have crowned upon their head and I had a friend of mine said I believe these could be angels I said you believe angels win crowns and he said well you believe they have crown and he said well an angel could have crown I said not this kind of crown this is a Stephanos this is a crown of a martyr praise God and these cry you're worthy you work all your life to get a crown and when you get there you bellow you throw it before the throne and say you're worthy to receive all glory and all honor because you've redeemed us to God by your 
your blood out of every kindred, every nation, and every people, and every tongue. My friend said to me, the word us is an interpolation in that verse. And true enough it is. You'll see that it is italicized in your book that us has been interpolated. But the reason the translators put it there is because later on it says you have made us kings and priests to the God of Humon. The us is added later so he they knew they could add it at this particular point. Praise God. Well, the other Anabate Hode is the two witnesses standing over Jerusalem. And they, of course, uh, are killed by the beast. That should show you something about him. Everybody else that tries to kill them have to be killed in the same manner they try to kill them. If they put out a sword, that sword kills them. However, they try to kill these two witnesses. Men cannot kill them. But there is something supernatural about that Antichrist. He is in a different realm so that he is able to get a hold of these two individuals and is able to kill at them. And they lay in the streets for three and a half days. And after that, my friend, they stand upon their feet. And you know what word is used? They are harp. Pedzo. They are stolen out. Thank God. They are caught up. You're talking about a resurrection. There's an order to resurrection, sirs. There is not just simply one. There is an order to resurrection. You lump many of them in what is called the first resurrection, but it names them itself. Christ is the first fruits of them that rose from the dead. He was the first one. Then it says every man in his order. The word is military rank. Every man in his military rank. Thank God. Them that are Christ at his coming. And then I take you to the 11th chapter where these two witnesses are caught up and they are part of that first resurrection. Otherwise, that uh, there is no other resurrection until the second one. Praise God. So just to point out the resurrection now. Glory. Say praise the Lord. We're going to get into horses. And this is where I differ from everybody. <laughs> we got away from Larkin in this meeting on the tribulation. I want to get away from him on some horses and ask where it ever come from and what's your proof. The burden of proof lies with you. I got enough material to choke a mule. I'm not bragging. I'm talking about the Bible. So far, you've been in heaven. Something you're going to notice about the book of Revelation is that when you are in heaven, earth is silent. And when he turns to earth, heaven is silent. All right? Somebody want to know what 30-minute silence is? It's because the trumpets are fixing to sound. Our attention is fixing to is be turned to the earth with the trumpets. What's fixing to happen there? And I call it the reverence of heaven. It's quiet. It's the same thing that happens in the 15th chapter with the vials, which are the worst judgments, are about to be poured out upon the earth. Smoke fills the temple so that no man can minister. There's silence there because once again, you're fixing to turn your attention to the earth. All right? And so you're simply, you've seen the church in heaven. Now we want to see the effect of all of this upon the earth. What do I believe that the white horse is? I believe that the white horse, now the book of Revelation is a book of symbols. But when you get one symbol, you've got to hang on to it. You can't be switching it every time you take an ocean to. White is heaven's color. The white robe, the white throne, the white stone, the white cloud. Everything in heaven is white. Everything about the devil is red. It's a white horse. Praise God. And upon him is a rider that has a crown upon his head. 
But what is interesting is this particular type of crown that he's got on his head. Somebody said it was given to him. Martyr's crowns always are. You don't develop your own. A diadema is the one you develop. This cannot be the Antichrist because he has a Stephanos which is a martyr's crown. If you'll turn to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, you'll see that he is wearing a diademus, which is a crown of royalty. He never claims to win his by martyrdom or by winning anything. He claims to be royalty from the word go. Oh, I'm going to go on. There's a lot more to say about that. I believe the first judgment that's coming upon this earth is the judgment to realize that my Lord and his church is victorious and has been taken out of here. I believe the white horse that goes to riding through is a symbol, thank God, of the victory of Christ and his church in the world. The red horse is the Antichrist. He has a very effective sword. All right. White is heaven's color. He is given a different kind of crown than the devil ever has. The next thing, he has no ammunition. Now you're going to have to decide one or two things about this fella. You're going to have to decide whether he comes without any ammunition or whether or not the battle is already over and the air is already shot. You're going to have to decide that about him. Do you believe the Antichrist is coming without any ammunition? Somebody said it is symbolic of false peace. I asked for one, one symbolism between the Antichrist and the white horse. Somebody said, well, the bow and no arrows is a symbol of peace. Who said he comes in with peace? I know you read in the book of Daniel about him coming with peace, but the problem is most folks confuse Antiochus Epiphanes with the end-time Antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes came in and won the kingdom by flattery and vying at the table with these two adversaries and took it over. But if you look in the 35th verse, it tells you the end is not yet. The Antichrist that comes, Daniel 11 and 40 says, he honors only the God of forces. You don't believe he's coming without any ammunition. I know you're quiet, but I'm going to present this, and I, I believe it anyhow. Glory to God, or I think I believe it. Sometimes we need to make a distinction of what we think and what we believe, huh? All right, but he comes, and uh, he has uh, Stephanos on his head, which is a crown uh, of martyrdom, and all is given to him, a crown that he has won. It is not a diademus. The devil has a diademus. His color is red. It is a purus. It is a fiery dragon in the 12th chapter. His color is always red. And then, finally, the bow with no arrows does not mean he is coming without ammunition. It means the battle is over with. That's the reason that he is going forth dressed in white with crown is because the battle is already won. I believe it is the victory of Christ and his church in this world. I believe the worst judgment that's going to come on this world, you've seen them in heaven, but let's look at it, the effect upon earth. When they start calling upon a telephone and trying to contact their preacher and contact somebody else and find out they're not around, that's going to be the most shocking, the worst judgment probably of all that's going to come upon this world. Oh, I'm not through. 
The language that he's used with him is very spectacular. This won't move, wiggle, or budge. It says that he goes out. You have forth, but the word is ek erakominos. It is a present participle. And if it is present, whether it's participial, subjunctive, infinitive, or imperative, if it is in the present, it means linear and has duration. That must be translated. He goes out. It doesn't mean he goes from or forth. You would have the word pro. You have the word out of. I believe Brother Reeves gave you that yesterday. It means out of. He goes out. And then there is the duration and the linear action that must be connected with it. He goes out while continuing to conquer. Now you have the authorized version trying to give you the linear and the durative action by the words or the letters ETF, F, endureth, and so forth. But that's only possible with certain verbal forms, participial, subjunctive, infinitive. You cannot add that, and therefore you cannot get the full sense and the duration. You not necessarily have reference to particular times, but you have types of times that are referred to. And in this particular case, uh, it says he goes out while continuing to conquer. There is no end to it. It is a continuous thing. Let me tell you what. There's only one thing that's going to go out of here while continuing to conquer. Hallelujah to God. All present participle must be uh, translated with the word previous uh, while. And an aorist is translated by after. Let's say praise the Lord. All right, I believe the white horse is symbolic of the victory of Christ and his church in this world. You've seen them. John saw him in heaven, but he turns his attention to the effect that's upon the earth. And the first thing that he sees is the effect of the victory of that white horse riding through with crown on his head. And he goes out while continuing to conquer. I'm not through yet. Oh, there's lots more that I could say about him. Because uh, I tell you this, uh, who comes riding a white horse in the last part of the book. Thank God. If you're going to find the rider on a white horse, keep your symbolism all the way through. Don't switch horses in the middle of the book. Praise God. He comes back riding a white horse. I believe he's going to go out of here riding the white horse and we're going to go with him. Praise the Lord. All right. That's enough pain for now. Shall we go? I can't see. I can't see my watch. I'll just have to guess at it. Hallelujah. Did you know the Bible said did you know the Bible said we'd be changed in the moment, in the atom of an eye? Let me show you something here. The reason I know Jesus did not speak much about the rapture is because it was a mystery. Jesus had to do mostly with resurrection relating to the Jew. He did not mention rapture. How do I know? Paul says, I'm going to show you a mystery. Thank God. Now, resurrection was no mystery to the Jew. They believed in resurrection. They believed in that. Go back to your old, except the Sadducees, they'd argue about it a little bit. But the Jew generally, from ancient time, would believe in a resurrection. That was no mystery unto them, that a man would die and would live again. But Paul says, I'm going to show you a mystery. And up to this point, it has not been referred to you do not hear of it being caught out, stolen away, or whatever. But Paul says, I know you believe there's going to be a resurrection where people die and this old stinking stuff raises up out of the ground. But he said, I'm going to show you a mystery now. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to have to die. He says, I'm saying that it's possible that standing on this earth, on your two feet, standing here, and this is different than they ever saw, 
thank God that you are going to be changed you're not going to have to die but you're going to be changed hallelujah now Dr. Ladd says the blessed hope is that we can live in this world uh, apart from sin I beg your pardon the blessed hope is thank God that the church has promised to it not resurrection but translation the difference between what they saw and the mystery and Paul says is it a mystery it was not understood until then he says I'm going to show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling that word twinkling there is atomai from which we get our word atom which is we thought up until just a few years ago was indivisible in the atom of an eye indivisible until a few years ago but it's been translated in other writings as twinkling of an eye the flutter of a wing the twinkling of a star it's trying to say it it's just that quick I'm not going to have to die he said this is the mystery the mystery I'm showing to you is not resurrection but translation that in a moment I'm going to be changed in the batten of an eye or the flutter of a wing the twinkling of a star or an atom that is indivisible we're going to be changed in that time and we're going to be stolen out of here and we're going to meet together with the Lord somewhere in the air one man, one man, I told you, asked me whether or not it's going to be two. No, we're going to meet him in the air. I don't know. We can leave from different places, but somewhere out there, we all going to come together. Hallelujah. You leave from Little Rock, somebody from St. Louis, and me from Lake Charles. It's going to be wonderful. The closer we get together, hallelujah, we're going to start recognizing one another somewhere out there. We start getting closer together, you know. And I said, well, that's old brother so-and-so. I, I didn't think he was going to make it. Bless his heart, he did. Amen. Isn't that going to be great? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Somewhere there's going to be a great rendezvous meeting him. Here the saints are. They're waiting for him. Hallelujah. And finally, thank God, as far as the church is concerned, he appears in clouds of glory. To me, that's a beautiful sight, a three-dimensional effect. Looking back through the clouds, we're going to rise to meet him in the air. Old Sister Lucy from over yonder and Brother Brown from over here, we get close enough, we're going to start shouting before we get there to see everyone who is actually in the rapture of that church. Say praise the Lord. What? My time's up. Oh, he said my time is up, is it? I can't see my watch. I wish I had time to tell you what we're going to be like when we get over there. What kind of body we're going to have. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bible does tell you. For a long time, I thought we were just going to be a spirit floating around. Brother Parkey says when Brother Teresa gets to heaven, he'll probably be an Indian. He loves it so much. Hunting and fishing. I thought we were just going to float around, but it tells us we're going to have a body fashion like unto his glorious body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What kind of body is it? Is it just the spirit floating around? He said to Thomas, after he resurrected, he said, feel me. Feel me. Now, his spirit don't have this. Thank God, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. 
as you see me have. Oh, there's a big subject there about flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. Life of flesh is in the blood and so on. It's going to be done away with. The power of the flesh is in the blood. But before he was ever flesh, before he's ever blood, he was something else. He was photos. He was energy. Hallelujah to God. Oh, glory. We're going to have a body of flesh and bone. Energized. It'll be like his body. Glory to God. Energized by another source. Oh, there's a little bit of difference in it. Glory to God. Two, two disciples walking along Emmaus Road. I think I'm closing. I think, I think, I think. Walking along Emmaus Road, and, and all of a sudden, they were joined by somebody. This business of somebody always just joining, you know, that's a problem. And, and, and just joined him. And, and he walked along. And, and there was something a little bit different about him. But they couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't, they couldn't see it. Oh, it was a little bit different. And, and they walked along and he said, why are you sad? Paraphrasing. They said, sir, are you a stranger in Galilee and you don't know these things? Well, he knew things. He knew what they was talking about. But he has a wonderful way of making you testify. He said, what things? I want you to say it. <laughs> you don't know these things? He said, what things? Why, they said, verily, man, in the name of Jesus, we thought of the prophet. Sir, we had hoped that he would be the deliverer of Israel. And they went along, still didn't know about it. Did you know he started in the, in the law and the prophets? He started teaching them about himself, and they still didn't know him. Walked along with him. Still didn't know him. They got to the house, and later on, they admitted they had heartburn. All that time, they had heartburn. And, and, and when he got close to the house, said, you better come in. He went in with them. You know, when they recognized him, it wasn't when he preached to them about him from the prophets. It was not my, his first appearance to them. What made their eyes open was when he reached across the table and he took that bread and he broke that bread. Hallelujah. And they said, we've seen that somewhere else. That looks familiar. At the first of the year, at our communion service, I preached on this. My, how this man can break bread. Hallelujah. Your eyes clouded and blinded and can't see anything else. But when he broke that bread, they saw who he was and he ate with them. Brother Ewing's always happy when he hears me preach that we're going to eat when we get over there. I don't believe we're going to feed on hot air. We're going to have something to eat. He ate with them one place fish and a honeycomb and then got up and went through the door. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Paul used it in the active and then he used it in the passive. We shall know even also we shall be known. Glory to God. Oh, I'd like to tell you what's going to happen uh, about the longevity. I'd like to tell you about how crops are going to grow. Hallelujah. Where you plant. Thank God one man plants and the reaper steps on the heels of the sower. It's growing so fast. Man drops some seed and he says, buddy, move your heel. It's growing right behind you. Thank God. Hallelujah. Everything, everything we lost in the fall, we're going to get again. Hallelujah. You're going to be restored to us when Satan's bound. Bees are not going to sting anymore. Thank God for that. Snakes are not going to bite anymore. Uh, fear will be taken from the earth. Nothing shall hurt nor destroy in all the holy mountain. And so on and so on and so on. Thank God. I'm waiting for him to come and harpadzo for him to take me out of here. 
Glory to God. I didn't get into the purpose of the 70 week, the nature of the 70 week. I didn't get into the doctrine of the eminence. I didn't get into the silence of the wrath and the Antichrist and the epistles. I didn't get into many, uh, uh, the difference in the relationship of Israel and the church. I didn't get into any of those proofs and more that be with them than be for me. Thank God. But I wanted you to know just a few of them today and I hope, thank God, that whether or not you will be with me or I will be with you. I know one thing, he's able to take care of me, however. Glory to God. I believe in that power of God, don't you? Hammond has got confidence in the power of God that he is able to take you through. I'm turning